Blog Talk Radio. February 20th, 2015 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism is the only philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me very soon here, as usual, will be cartoonist Bosch Faustin. How is everyone doing out there? I see a couple people hanging out in the chat room that I just barely opened in the nick of time over at Blog Talk Radio. I see Selfishness and Freedom Breeze. Hello, good morning. And Bosch, I think I just saw him. I think he's going to be here in just a second. I was cramming just before the show. I was reading this lengthy article from The Atlantic, What ISIS Really Wants in Preparation for Today's Show. Today, the kind of integrating factor among some of the stories that I was interested in discussing today is the use of language, choosing language and the consequences of that for either the furthering of human values or the destruction of human values. And I spent a long time going back and forth with Bosch about what should the appropriate title of today's show, and I was talking about you know, uh, language that for you know that um, promotes focus versus language that promotes evasion. Um, there's a, there's a number of different ways to do it, but we have a, a you know kind of a very odd assortment of stories on this theme. But go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and you'll see the stuff that I have in mind. Primarily, the focus is on. ISIS and the nature of ISIS and the fact that our president and much of our media is denying the nature, the Islamic nature of ISIS and, and, you know, what are the consequences of that? Is everyone hearing me decently out there? I'm wondering if the if the sound is good. Earlier this week, um, I think some of you guys know I was, uh, I'm doing sessions on Evan Pagan's Wake Up Productive program and I did a webinar and the sound wasn't working properly, but you you get the sound okay yeah. in your in your headphones right now. No, no one has written in the chat that they have any any bad that, sounds. That, so that's good. Loud uh-huh. and clear. Thanks, selfishness. Excellent, excellent. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much. Um, perfect wound, <laughs> perfect sound. She says, <laughs> yeah, I love uh, the uh, the computer keyboard. Okay, so like I said, go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, which is where I'm going right now to see in what order I gave you all of this material that we plan to talk about today. The first thing is just to look at 
what our president has said. And he gave a speech earlier this week in the closing of the summit on countering what they're calling violent extremism. Violent extremism. And if you click on that link, I just give you, you know, full warning and disclosure, you will go to whitehouse.gov where I actually go, you know, and I actually look at his speeches. And I scanned through this speech earlier today. I don't want to do one of my usual shreddings of it. But the, you know, the big things in this speech that have been coming out in the media are his refusal to call the he can't even say Islamic no. extremism. No, he can't. He doesn't even want to say Islamic extremism. And, you know, he talks about al-Qaeda and about ISIS, and he talks about, quote, ideologies that he motivate them. Islamic State. No. Ever. No, not Islamic State. And, I mean, maybe in his world, all ideologies, oh, God, I just dropped a book, sorry. All ideologies are more or less Islamic. And so maybe you know that all their all the ideologies are maybe that's his context. I don't know. No, he, he wants to protect Islam. Why Islam runs roughshod over the world? Well, he wants to protect it. You know, cer- certainly. You know, it's, it's very personal with him, also. I think it's a first ideology that he ever was raised with. It's something very subjective, but dangerous as well. He needs to believe that he came from something good, you know, and not this monstrous evil. Even when they say that some Muslims are really put off by this. Then they're put off by Muhammad and what he did. Right. He beheaded close to six, 600 to 900 people in one night. Right, right. He, he was a monster. Yeah. So ISIS reminds Muslims and Barack Obama that Islam is thoroughly barbaric and evil. And he don't want to believe that. Right. No, it's... And and, I, you know, some, and, some people say, oh, yeah, he does because he, he wants him to win. I don't think he does. Yeah, now this, this is uh, an excerpt from his speech, and no, I'm not going to play. Actually, I might play a little clip from it in a, in a second, but this one is a little bit earlier than the clip I have. He says, uh, we are here today because of a very specific challenge, and that's countering violent extremism, something that is not just a matter of military affairs. By, quote, violent extremism, we don't just mean the terrorists who are killing innocent people. We also mean the ideologies, the infrastructure of extremists, the propagandists, the recruiters, the funders who radicalize and recruit or incite people to violence. The name to those ideologies, quote, unquote? No. He says, we all know there is no one profile of a violent extremist or terrorist, so there's no way to predict who will become radicalized. Around the world and here in the United States, the inexcusable acts of violence have been committed against people of different faiths Mm -hmm. by people of different faiths, which is, of course, a betrayal of all our faiths. Uh It is not unique to one group or to one geography or one period of time. One second. Do you remember when he said that he he was talking about the goes, let's not get on our high horse. Remember the Christians and the Crusades? Remember that? So he, he couched yes. that in pure Christian terms. The Christians did this, right. and Christianity did this. Yep. But for Islam, oh no, it has nothing to, to do with Islam. It's just some ideology. Well, right, and, and his idea is, okay, um, yeah, he's a president here today charged with protecting us, the current That's people of the United States of America. Yeah. But he wants to pull back and look at a context that is cover, you know, spanning centuries of, right. of history. And but he doesn't really want to. You know, like this, uh, what does ISIS really want? They go back in time. Oh, no, you know? no. Well, there's that, too. Or say that he, wants, he wants to pretend that he's actually spending the century. No, he, there's a there's a focus here. There's a point here. He just wants to go back far enough to grab the Crusades yeah, in his exactly span right. of time that he's talking As about. As if the Crusades yeah. are relevant today. Right. 
which they are not at all. Um, he says, we are here at the summit because of the urgent threat from groups groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIL. Now, I think those are the two groups. Yeah. Do you know of other groups that we need to be worried about right now? Right now, groups. I mean, well, there are um, Islamic Jihad. There's a ton of groups, you know, Hamas. And, but anybody and with Hezbollah. any recruiting power or magnetism? Well, right now, the quote-unquote hottest, the jihadist group in the world right now is ISIS. Yes. They have used every means to recruit. Media, uh, internet, every pamphlet. They have their own magazine, and they're just—they're considered the real deal. And they're trying to make Al Qaeda irrelevant. Right is what, is what they're doing because they're more brutal than them. Um, he says Al Qaeda and ISIL and groups like it are desperate for legitimacy. They try to portray themselves as religious leaders, try. holy wars in defense of Islam. That's why ISIL presumes to declare itself the Islamic State. And they propagate the notion that America and the West generally is at war with Islam. That's how they recruit. So listen to what he's saying. He's saying we have to refuse to call it Islam because they're recruiting by saying that the West is at war with yes. Islam. Yes. But the honest ones are actually saying that it's that they're at war with us. I mean, the honest Muslims. Sure. It's, a, it's an offensive jihad. Oh, of course. It's not even a, you know, right. A, right. as a Chadari said, he goes, well, it's no longer defensive. It's defensive. It's always been offensive. Right. Since day one. But, but I mean, this, you know, this idea, um, even if it's true that the ideology at root of Al-Qaeda and Islamic State, even though it's true that it is Islam, right? Yep. That it's the medieval interpretation of Islam, yeah. the consistent Muhammad's in, yeah, Muhammad's consistent interpretation yeah. of Islam, even though that's what is at root of this movement, we shouldn't say that. Right. Is what we we need to use different language. We just need to call it violent extremism. We need to pretend it could be all different faiths, even though really the ones that are motivating people are all Islamic faith you know and yeah they do have their little different interpretations and we've we've read all about this in the in the you know some of you have read the atlantic article isis wouldn't exist were it not for bush or obama right they would never have gained this kind of traction ever if they did their job right and as so long as obama and any president continues doing this they will continue winning and you know what this idea are are we winning well we're not winning because they're they exist and they're adding i mean right now isis you know you had al-qaeda you have a ton of Muslim, Muslim groups. And now you have this new group, ISIS, who is going even further to try to make their claim that they're, right. The, right. they're the real guys. They're the guys. You know, they're the guys walking in the footsteps of Muhammad. And then their brutality, yeah, yeah they are doing that. Um, he does say, you know, just like leaders like myself reject the notion that terrorists like ISIL genuinely represent Islam, Muslim leaders need to do more to discredit the notion that our nations are determined to suppress Islam. So he's saying, <laughs> I will, and you know, to, to use the New York Post's yeah. metaphor, I will put blindfolds over myself and refuse to recognize the truth that Islam. these people actually do represent yeah. The history, the origin, the true version of Islam, right? I will put blinders over myself. And what you guys need to do is, you Muslim leaders, in exchange, you need to, you know, do more to say that, hey, we're not, we're not really trying to suppress Islam, you know. And and he says, he says he thinks Muslim leaders should counter this notion. 
the Muslim leaders should disagree with the idea that there is an, 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 an inherent and why clash. Haven't they? Wait, an inherent clash in civilization. When Obama says they need to, they need to, they need to, they haven't. And why haven't they, Barack? Because why it's haven't not they? True. Yeah. He says everybody has to speak up very clearly that no matter what the grievance, violence uh, against innocent. Grievance. No, listen to that. Also. No matter what the grievance. Listen to that. He oh. he is conceding. It's just something a grievance. To them. Yeah. No, but but also he's saying they have their legitimate grievances. He actually suggested the other day about about ISIS, that there are some legitimate grievances, legitimate grievances of head choppers. Once you cross the line going head chopping, you're not defending anything. You're not supporting anything. You're, uh, I mean, well, well, you're, you're supporting Islam, yeah. yes. But what I'm saying is, it's like when they say uh, Palestinians are defending themselves against Israel. When you cut heads off and rapes, rape soldiers after they're dead, that's not defense. You're not being defensive. You're a, a barbarian in the name of Islam. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then he goes on in his speech to say, yeah, you know, some of the terrorists have come from extraordinarily wealthy backgrounds, but he says where there are millions of people, especially youth, who are impoverished and have no hope for the future, when corruption inflicts daily humiliations on people, when there's no outlets by which people can express their concerns. Um, these guys are all on YouTube and Facebook and, yeah. and Twitter. He says, <laughs> yes. resentments fester. He says, the risk of instability and extremism grow. Where young people have no education, they are more vulnerable to conspiracy theories and the blah, blah, blah. Um, the terrorist One groups second. are all, he says the terrorist groups are all too happy to step into a void. So you know the governments are not giving the handouts, and so we just have to start providing that. He says he says the United States intends to do its part. We will keep promoting development and growth that is broadly shared. So and more people, so, yeah, so more people can provide for their families. We'll keep leading a global effort against corruption because the culture of the bribe has to be replaced by good governance that doesn't favor certain groups over others, blah, blah, blah. So he says, we want more handouts and we'll try to get rid of uh, the cronyism that comes along with a government of handouts. And he knows full well yes. that when the government has the power to pick winners and losers and to give things out for free, that cronyism and is they the only consequence. The, the presumption that they want jobs and whatnot, they want your heart through and through, and they want us dead. And this scum in chief is not doing anything to protect us from that, except rhetoric, saying you're not Islam. You're... And think about it also, every single day now he comes out there and tries to make the claim that has nothing to do with Islam. That tells you that he has to do that because as far as he's, he's concerned, these guys are really every single day, they're, they're, they're committing these atrocities. And instead of going against them and protect Americans, I'm going to protect Islam through and through the ideology that is at war with us. Yeah, well, let's, let's take him at his word for a minute, though. Let's take him at his word. And let's say that it is a huge recruiting tool of these groups to say that the West is at war with Islam. Right. Yeah. And so that what we should do is we should pretend, even though it's not true, and I, I think he should acknowledge that it's not true, well, he can't. that this, Liars can't. you know, religion, I mean, all religions at root are actually fundamentally, you know, at the very most fundamental levels. If they take a fundamentalist Absolutely. view of their religion, it is incompatible with the pursuit of happiness Absolutely. of a country like the United States. It is incompatible. But he says, let's go ahead and just pretend that Islam and the West, and in particular United States and the pursuit of happiness, can coexist peacefully. Let's just pretend and that. that Islam was at the beginning, at the founding of our country. 
and a crucial part of it because, you know, how many of the founding fathers were Muslim? I mean, there must have been some, according to Barack Obama. But I'm, I'm just curious, which which Muhammad Adams was there? I mean, do you remember Muhammad, yeah. Muhammad Washington? Well, right, Muhammad and the, and and this this is actually the the clip from the speech that I did not read that I skipped over that I want to go ahead and play for you now. And this is the one you sent me from. Uh, CNS, right? Is Islam has been woven into the fabric of our country since its founding. Um, let me see if I can grab the cord. Sorry, we're flying by the seat of our pants. Definitely are. <laughs> it's a 34-page article that I read. Wait, um, let me plug. Okay, we've we've plugged in the laptop. We have that. Let's get some sound going, and let's play you just a very short clip of Barack Obama. Sorry, it's not going to be very long. Sorry, but I just uh, want you to actually hear him. Ed, write something here. Sorry, the Islamic mm-hmm. State's uh, quote-unquote grievance is that not everyone has submitted to Allah. Yes. And them. That's exactly right. Well, and them exactly. and them in particular. That's what we get from yeah. the Atlantic article that there's a, the there's a lot of Muslims deal. who say, and they you know actually say, they and they probably have submitted to Allah, but unless you submit to a law in the proper way, which includes submitting to the caliphate, yep. the new caliphate of the Islamic State, and do all the things that are entailed in that submission, including do your darndest to move there and yep. stay there. You have to immigrate there. You have to also pronounce a certain oath to the yep. caliphate. This is all the stuff that we learn from the, uh, some, the Atlantic article. Some Muslims yeah. are not doing that because legally they can't, you know, because they'll be well, it, they'll be well, up. Well, and this this is a question I want I did uh-huh. want to ask people to chime in on is, would you like to do what Australia has done, which is actually make the pronouncement of that oath and the broadcast yeah. of that oath illegal? I mean, and I think that's awesome. It is, um, but also let but, them say it and kick the rats out or arrest them. I mean, well, that, no, yeah, and that align as, themselves with. A war, you know, with right. with uh, the enemies against. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, take a listen here to Obama. I think I've got it all queued up. CNSnews.com. Here in America, Islam has been woven into the fabric of our country since its founding. Sir, put pause for a second. Yeah, yeah. Let's pause it. Also, woven into the, the fabric. Yeah. That is just such <laughs> vague language. What he doesn't want to say is that we have been worried about the violent nature of Islam since the founding of our country. Absolutely That's right. what he doesn't want to say. And Thomas yeah. Jefferson went yeah. to war with them in the seas of Africa <laughs> with the Barbary pirates. So if you want to call that pirates. woven yeah. into the yeah. fabric, okay, that's fine well, with me. Let me also yeah. just notice, uh, Barack Obama, listen to the high-pitched nature of his voice. Mm. He either whispers or he goes, I mean, it's been woven into the fabric. You know, it's it's really, he's he knows he's telling the whopper. Okay. Every time he tells whopper, his voice really changes. Let's uh, We'll back it up and hear it again. Here in America, Islam has been woven into the fabric of our country since its founding. The the pausing, yeah. the pausing, you know, they're woven into the fabric. Thing. He's like, I wonder if I can get this over <laughs> yeah. on him, you know? You look at the audience. Yeah. Am I getting over them? I mean, yes, I, yes, I am. Good. Good. And, well, and, and you can see, if you look at the transcripts that they post on WhiteHouse.gov, at the end of the different paragraphs, they put in the parentheses the word laughs, you know, that the yeah, audience right. is laughing with him. And when I read this, I can imagine that the audience is laughing at these statements that he's making and how horrific it is. No no doubt there were some in the audience who were saying, whoa, this is just absolutely... But then there's others who are like, great, he's telling me that everything's all fine and good. He's telling me everything I want to hear. Everything Perfect. Yeah. So let's listen. Generations. Yeah, so that's happening. 
Generations of Muslim immigrants came here and went to work as farmers and merchants and factory workers, helped to lay railroads and, and, and build up America. And helped write the Constitution. The first Islamic center in New York City was founded in, in the 1890s. America's first mosque, this was an interesting fact, was in North Dakota. Dakota. Now, now notice he didn't give the date yes, of the, of no the date. mosque. I think it was later, yeah. a, lot, a lot later than yeah. the founding, a lot later. Yeah. Because we are, well, in know, 1890s is a lot later yeah. than the founding. Yes, in yes, fact, 1890s, 1890s was the start of the decline also, of the United States. Yes, that's, yeah, that's true. Right. And that's when, you know. So, but also, I, no one coincidence. There's one point that he makes about the founding, and it was actually 1900, you know, 1913 or something like that, when there was something that he tried to suggest was at the founding, which is just, again, yeah. the Whopper. Well, I mean, to Americans, maybe 1890s is a long, long time ago. Well, but 1890s <laughs> was the beginning of the end, where the progressives really started to take hold. Um, oh, interesting. Uh, Sin Farah recommends calling Islamic State by a different name. And we'll, we'll get into the I actual nature is, uh, of Islamic State. It's the best term, because it's not about insulting them. It's not about offending them. It's about... Referring to them as properly and defeat them based on that. And we and we definitely I don't know if we want to dig into that particular. Let, let's dig into that article now, actually, because yeah. the, the whole idea is that he is saying that ISIS and Al Qaeda are not Islamic. Yeah. We Barack Obama saying and, that article. Yeah, yeah, Barack Obama, and that we should not say that it is Islamic in part because then we're going to be playing into this idea that the West is at war with Islam. And really, I mean, ideologically, it's not that... Okay, again, let's make a big distinction here. It's not that the West or people in the West should be at war with all Muslims, all people who call themselves Muslims. Of course not. But fundamentally, the ideology that is at the root of the West and of all progress and life-affirming values in the West, that ideology, which at root is objectivism, but, you know, that supports the pursuit of happiness as we have enshrined in our Declaration of Independence, that ideology is fundamentally at war with the ideology of Islam. The, 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 and, you know, you, what people need to do, I mean, it, this is getting serious. There is a group in the Middle East right now that wants to take over as much as it can. Yes, it's primarily concerned with you know taking over the territories that immediately surround it, the contiguous territories over there. But they have their sights eventually on on us. On everyone. And they're on going the they're going to pose a danger to us to the extent that they can, and they'd be all you know happy to have us go over there and be at war with them. We need to understand what it is, and and you know the idea that you can achieve any advantage that is going to be lasting by denying the reality of the fact that Islam is at the root of this and that Islam is a fundamental contradiction to the values of the West and to the pursuit of happiness that we in the United States, I hope, still believe in, you can't get anywhere by doing that. You can't get anywhere by doing that. Now, whether you decide, for example... 
you know, the article in uh, the Atlantic, they talk about, you know, should we send ground troops over there? And the author of the article recommends that we don't send ground troops right over there to do battle on exactly the battlefield that they've prophesied is going to be the beginning of the end of days for Islam and the world or whatever. Maybe, It'll maybe be the end of days maybe, of ISIS and Islam. And we can debate. We can debate about whether that's a good strategy. But that is an actual strategy about what actions you're going to take. When you talk about identifying the nature of the enemy, you can't say, oh, let's be strategic <laughs> about right. it, right? So, one thing. I mean, yeah. you know, Barack Obama says Islam's not at war with us. He is at war with the truth. And everyone else who tries to use any other kind of euphemisms to describe these people are at war with the truth. This is what's happening here. And therefore, not protecting us. But at one point, I'd just like to reiterate, I read this a while ago, but I want to mention exactly, specifically what Islamic peace means right. by a Muslim, a Western Muslim named Bassam uh, Tibi. Mm-hmm. Now or after? or mm-hmm. You know what? I think, I, think, I think it's really important. This is Bassam Tibi. He's, he's against jihad, against Sharia law, meaning he's against Islam, but whatever. He's a, a good thinker, and he's very honest about his religion. Uh, he doesn't take part in it, but it's just a weird dichotomy. But anyway, he says, at its core, uh, Islam is a religious mission to all humanity. Muslims are religiously obligated, uh, religiously ob- obliged to to uh, to disseminate the Islamic faith throughout the world. "Quote: We have sent you forth to all mankind." From the Quran, if non-Muslims submit to conversion or subjugation, this call dawah can be pursued peacefully. If they do not, Muslims are obliged to wage war against them. In Islam, peace requires that non-Muslims submit to the call of Islam either by converting or by accepting the status of a religious minority, Dimi, and paying the imposed poll tax, Jizya. World peace, the final stage of the Dawah, is reached only with a conversion or submission of all mankind to Islam. Just a little more. Muslims believe that expansion through war is not aggression, but a fulfillment of the Quranic command to spread Islam mm-hmm. as a way of peace. Yes. The resort to force to disseminate Islam is not war, harb, which is in Arabic, uh, a word that is used only to describe the use of force by non-Muslims, Islamic wars are not hurab, the plural of harb, but rather fudahat, acts of quote-unquote opening the world to Islam and expressing Islamic jihad. He goes, relations between Dar al-Islam, the home of peace, and Dar al-Harb, the world of unbelievers, nevertheless takes place in a state of war, according to the Quran and to the authoritative commentaries of Islamic jurists. Um, and he goes, unbelievers who stand in the way, creating obstacles to the dawah, are blamed for the state of war, for the dawah can be pursued peacefully if others submit to it. And the final word, he goes, in other words, those who resist Islam cause wars and are responsible for them. Those who resist Islam cause wars and are responsible for them. Right. That's Islamic peace. Whenever you hear Islamic peace and all that, it technically speaking, it means submission but Islamic peace means this, means all out war to submit all mankind to right. Islam. And the article from The Atlantic by Graham Wood, I highly recommend that yeah. you go ahead and read it. I have the link to it over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Like I said, I printed out a reader view and it was about 34 pages, but it is a worthy read. This guy, first of all, he did something that I could not do, which is go interview yep. some of the so. leading advocates for ISIS, including that guy Chowdhury in yeah. London, and then another guy, another scumbag Australia. in uh, Australia. I mean, he met with these guys face to face and talked with them, and of, and he was appropriately horrified yep. that they were friendly and congenial and all this kind of stuff. But what he does is he lays out piles of evidence that 
ISIS is Islamic. And in fact, ISIS is probably the most Islamic organization on the face of the planet today. Um, that they are consistent, as consistent as possible. And in fact, once they cease to be consistent with the ideology, they will lose the attraction, the you know, they, propaganda yeah. value, etc. So they They're are putting off even, even Muslims. Yeah, the the, the guy who the, the guy who's the the current head is this guy Baghdadi. Is that his name? Which which one's the I guy who's Baghdadi, the Baghdadi? Yeah, yeah. Then um, it's leader Abu since, Bakar, yeah. Yeah, uh, Bakar al Baghdadi. Yeah. So he he this guy takes upon himself the appoints himself the caliph. And yeah, he's you know, he's the caliph. And and that means he takes himself upon himself the responsibility which he says is onerous and I believe it truly is because sharia is anti-life. He says he needs to actually, you know, implement consistent 100% sharia law and that is what he's doing. And Muslims who don't abide by it, Muslims who don't support that, are to be killed right. because they're considered apostates. They're considered non-Muslims. That's why when they say, you see Muslims killing Muslims, the Muslims who are killing Muslims, the, the ones that, that they're killing, they see as sellouts, heretics. They see they're not really Muslim. Right. That's why they do it. Right. It's not because I'm killing them because they're Muslim. Now, the, the thing that... They kill them because they're not Muslim, yeah. according to them. Right. Now, the thing I like about this article, too, is he says, look, if we can understand their nature... I like that also. ...and their ideology, then we can use it to come up with a strategy to defeat them. Yeah. And, in fact, he represent, you know, he, he uh, recommends a strategy towards the end. But he says, the Islamic State follows a distinctive variety of Islam whose beliefs about the path to the day Muhammad's of judgment. Variety. Yeah, Muhammad's, yeah. And, and he goes on to say that. It's Muhammad's consistent yeah. variety. Uh, you know, the path to the day of judgment matter to its strategy, and it can help the West know its enemy and predict its behavior. Its rise to power is less like the triumph of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, a group whose leaders the Islamic State considers apostates, by the way. So even the Muslim Brotherhood, whom real. we don't like, they're, they're apostates. <laughs> He says, uh, the, rather than that, they're like. They're, he says they're more like the realization of a dystopian alternate reality. Excuse me, alternate reality in which David Koresh or Jim Jones survived to wield absolute power over not just a few hundred people, no. but some eight million. Right. This is what they represent. So you can imagine David Koresh, Jim Jones thing, having right. authority over eight million people. That's say, what Islamic State the is. Disagreements yeah. that Muslim groups have, right, yeah. with with one another. I don't give a rat's ass. Because when it comes to us, they're soul brothers or soulless brothers. They are brothers against us. So I don't care about all these, the Sunni, the Shia, and all this, all, all this crap. Muslim Brotherhood, they don't like them. They don't. When it comes to us, they want us all dead. So, you know, in that, fine, you want to bring it up, fine. But don't try to make a case about that, that it means anything to us. Right. About us, because it doesn't. I'm sorry. No, no. It's now he goes on to talk about how we in the United States and actually throughout our allies as well, uh, we are conducting a quote well-intentioned but dishonest campaign to deny the Islamic State's medieval religious nature. And I don't the well-intentioned. This is well, well, and and this is the thing. If it's truly dishonest, which means that you know that the truth is something other than what you're saying, then it's it can't be well-intentioned, be. right? Because you know, again, if you are reality-oriented, you realize that we are human beings who need to live in the real world. For the long term, for the whole course of our lives and, and for the lives of the people that we care about who are going to live beyond us. Um, 
we cannot be dishonest and at the same time be well-intentioned. Every time you are dishonest, you cut your mind off from reality. You cut your mind off from the ability to survive in reality. So there is no such thing as something that is well-intentioned but dishonest, this idea of, you know, the so-called white lie. Um, If it's dishonest, it's going to be, by that very nature, crippling in terms of keeping in touch with reality. I don't think we do anybody, any service, anybody, including people who call themselves Muslims and want to feel good about it, um, by denying the nature of the Islamic state. And we hurt ourselves, and that's the biggest issue here. We're hurting ourselves. Right, right. We're defeating this government. Um, and he says, much of what the, the group ISIS does looks nonsensical, except in the light of a sincere, carefully considered commitment to returning civilization to a 7th century legal environment and ultimately to bringing about the apocalypse. That's what these people want to do. And he talks about, you know, they derisively refer to people like us, like uh, moderns. They will juxtapose within a call to, you know, do horrible things, biblical sounding punishments, along with modern sounding calls to vehicular, (laughs) say vehicular 12 times fast, vehicular homicide. Uh, He says the speech of what's his name, Baghdadi, or actually it was another guy, uh, laced with Theological and legal discussion, Uh, they have, you know, the exhortations that are directly echoed orders from Muhammad. He says the reality is that the Islamic State is Islamic, very Islamic. Um, And they call themselves, uh, you know, adherents to the, quote, prophetic methodology. They follow the prophecy and the example of Muhammad. They... um, the religion, the religion that they follow is that pre, uh, preached by the most ardent followers. It derives its coherent and even learned interpretations of Islam. Basically, that ISIS's ideology is based on coherent and even learned interpretations of Islam. Um, what we need to do, he says, is we need to help ISIS self-immolate in its own excessive zeal. He thinks that we can, by a combination of strategies, let it implode on itself by and destroy the truth itself. And acting on the truth and yeah. But yeah, but we can't do it by denying its nature for sure. Um, so then he goes on, he's got a whole section on devotion and um, talks about the fact that uh, the ISIS has taken on this practice of takfir. So any Muslim who isn't not, worthy in their yeah. mind for you know forget everybody else uh they will just kill and kill and kill so unlike al qaeda which is relatively pragmatic mm-hmm. islamic state has been going on and killing all these people he says that roughly 200 million shia in the view of isis right. roughly 200 million are marked for death they're committed to purifying the world by killing vast numbers of people he says even though the media, and this is this is horribly, says the lack of objective reporting from the territory by the media makes the true extent of the slaughter unknowable. Yes. He says, but social... So how, whatever we're seeing pales. It, yeah, it pales in comparison. He says, but social media posts from the region suggest that individual executions happen more or less continually and mass executions every few weeks. This is bloodletting. I mean, they need to keep the blood flowing to, yeah. keep, to keep this alive. To keep their movement alive. He says Muslim apostates are the most common victims. Um, the exempted from the automatic execution are the Christians who agree to pay the jizya or be slaves so or whatever it is. Their yeah. jihad. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, because there was a time in history when uh, 
they were they were killing too many people. So whoa, 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 whoa. we need some more uh, people to pay the jizya. So let's let them live because we need to be funded here. Well, and having slaves is cool too. And he talks about the fact that they have reinstituted and Barack slavery Obama, right? as who, well. Who always mentions slavery in America? Uh, slavery in Islam, it's 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 uh, part of the Quran. It's part of Islamic history. It still goes on today, uh, Mr. Barack Obama. You know, Mr. You know, he, he tries to accuse us as if we were the only country who ever had slaves. Yeah. And then he talks about um, why we would be in denial about the nature of this group. He says, centuries have passed since the wars of religion ceased in Europe and since men stopped dying in large numbers because of arcane theological disputes. Hence, perhaps, the incredulity and denial with which Westerners have greeted the news of theology and practices of the Islamic State. Many refuse to believe that the group is as devout as it claims to be or as backward-looking or apocalyptic as its actions and statements suggest. In essence, we want to deny the truth. He says, unless we acknowledge this, he says, no explanation of the rise of the Islamic State could be complete, with acknowledgement of other factors having to do with the bad governance and social mores and humiliation that they live in lands that are valued only for oil, blah, blah, blah. He says, if you focus on other factors, you know, more material factors, to the exclusion of ideology, this reflects another kind of Western bias, that if religious ideology doesn't matter much in Washington or Berlin, certainly it must be equally irrelevant in Raqqa or Mosul. When a masked executioner says Allahu Akbar while beheading an apostate, sometimes he's doing so for religious reasons. Imagine that. Yeah, now, sometimes. Now, Even that yeah. sentence, yes. Sometimes he's saying Allahu Akbar Well, he's just he, trying to I be know, facetious. But let's one thing about the barbarians who join him, like for adventurers and whatnot. They're going on jihad. They're not, going, they're not just psychopaths joining this, this group. They're psychopaths joining a group that gives them moral credence as far as they're concerned. Wow, we get a moral backup for our atrocities? Perfect. Let's right. join in. Right, right. You know, that's the whole thing. It's like uh, it gives them some kind of you know weight instead of just their own evil <laughs> desire bloodlust. Yes, no, not just a bunch of psychopaths. No. They are... Organized. Yeah, the, the, the leaders in any event are ideologically extremely committed. Um they cite uh, this article, uh, uh, Graham Wood, he cites at length, quotes at length, a scholar whom I had not heard of before, Bernard oh, Haeckel. Bernard Haeckel? Yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, Freedom Breeze writes something here. It sounds like he's given them a good reason to be barbaric. No, he's acknowledging the reason that they get from the Quran and from Islam. No, this guy's acknowledging the quote unquote good reasons that they have to kill. I mean, we have to acknowledge that. Right. That well, as far as they're concerned, they have you know holy reasons to do to commit their atrocities. Exactly. And we have to acknowledge that. Some people accuse Robert Spencer of getting into the crux of Islam. Well, you're creating jihadists by acknowledging the truth about what fuels jihad. That's no. You you oof. need you need to acknowledge the truth and then reject it. Absolutely. This this this, guy, this idea that you can just sweep it under the rug and pretend that it's not what it is. And hope that it doesn't explode on us is is ridiculous. Um, this guy. So so um, so Haeckel, uh, this this scholar is excellent. He talks about the fact that even the foot soldiers in ISIS quote the Quran all the Repeal, time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, even though all of these, you know, a, a bunch of Muslims acknowledge that Muhammad's earliest conquests were not tidy affairs, etc., they tend to reject the idea that the Islamic State are as authentic throwbacks to 
the origins. He says, uh, he says, Islamic State fighters, Haeckel says, quote, are smack in the middle of the medieval tradition and are bringing it wholesale to the present day. And he talks about Jizya and slaves, how all of this was going on. And he... Um, they bring it, they make it, they're bringing Islam to life again in a way that a lot of groups haven't done. Right. And this is why everyone is... I mean, the, the horror, when they're horrified by it, you're horrified at Islam, is what you're horrified at. Yep. Muslims, non-Muslims, etc. Yeah. Um, he says, leaders of the Islamic State have, have taken emulation of Muhammad as a strict duty, and they have revived traditions that have been dormant for hundreds of years. Again, quoting from Haeckel, what's striking about them is not just the literalism, but also the seriousness with which they read these texts. Continuing the quote from him, there is an assiduous, uh, assiduous obsessive seriousness that Muslims don't normally have, end quote. And then they contrast with the Wahhabis of Saudi Arabia. The Wahhabis, by contrast to Islamic State, were not wanton in their violence. You think about um, that. And it's because Muhammad Islamic was. State practices this takfiri thing, yeah. you know, where if you're not Islamic enough, we're going to kill you. Uh, the caliphate well, now embraces slavery and crucifixion without apology. Yeah, because that's Islamic. I mean, again and again, however horrific this is, this is Islam in action. Right. And again, they're reminding the world, hey, this is Islam. You don't like it? Okay. But, you know, they have a magazine. The Islamic State has a magazine. Yes. And they published an article called The Revival of Slavery Before the Hour. And they have this debate about whether or not when you have these lapsed Muslims you could either kill them or are they just merely pagans and we can have them be slaves instead. And they had a study group of Islamic State scholars to resolve the issue. And here's the quote. It's an anonymous author. Uh, Yazidi women and children are to be divided according to the Sharia amongst the fighters of the, of the Islamic State who participated in the Sinjar operations in northern Iraq. Enslaving the families of the Kufar infidels and taking their women as concubines is a firmly established aspect of the Sharia that if one were to deny or mock, he would be denying or mocking the verses of the Quran and the narrations of the Prophet and thereby apostatizing from Islam. Can and, I another quote by uh, Bernard Haeckel? Uh, sure, go ahead. Uh, he said, but Muslims who call the Islamic State un-Islamic are typically, as the Princeton scholar Bernard Haeckel, the leading expert of the group's um, Theology told me, quote, embarrassed and politically correct. The Muslims who are shocked at this. Right. With a cotton candy view of their own religion that neglects what their religion has historically and legally required. Many denials of the Islamic State's religious nature, he said, are rooted in an interfaith Christian nonsense tradition. And with that, can I just mention something about uh, the objective standard? Well, we're st I still okay. want to get through this article, but just, definitely. I just want to go from that point, though, okay, about, okay. The, about the interfaith thing. And uh, Craig Biddle wrote an article called uh, Islamic Jihad and Western Faith, and I did the cover for the Objective Standard, the, the newest issue. It's with uh, Jesus and Muhammad. Check it out. I definitely encourage people getting the magazine, supporting them for doing this. They're putting themselves on the line. And uh, Craig writes, uh, to lend, you know, the central theme of my latest article, which has just been published, he goes, to lend credence to the notion that faith as a means of knowledge is to support and encourage Islamic regimes and jihadist groups at the most fundamental level possible, the epistemological level. It is to say to them, in effect, whatever our disagreements, your method of arriving at truth and knowledge is correct. Right. Well, if their method is correct, how can the content they, quote, unquote, know by means of it be incorrect? It can't be. 
Westerners desperately need to grasp this fact along with its logical, psychological, and political implications. Right. And we're, we'll be discussing the article next week, uh, I hope to at least. Yeah. And again, check it out. It's available today digitally, and it'll be available in print very soon. It'll be available at Barnes Level. I'm going to go get a copy there myself. I want to just go there and support that. The fact that it'll be on a bookshelf, and I hope Barnes Level doesn't pull it from the bookshelf, but they might. Yeah, no, check it out. Check it, it out at your local on. Barnes & Noble, yeah. especially, and, but also and, the Objective Standard. Now, when issue. is it going to be on the shelves, though, in Barnes & Noble? How long? Very soon, because it, it went to print this past week. Maybe go to the ObjectiveStandard.com or the Objective Standards they page might, on they, Facebook, yeah, they, they and, and they'll announce when it's actually going to be but available. But the digital version is available, I think, right now. We're going we're gonna to grab an international call here. Hi, who's this? Uh, hi, Amy. I'm Bosch. This is Bruno. I'm calling from Italy. Hello, Bruno. So, welcome hi. to the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, since I'm living in Italy, I'd just like to uh, give the Italian perspective for a moment on ISIS. Uh, because, uh, as you might know, they, are, they have infiltrated uh, Libya yes. at the moment. Mm. And, uh, and well, according to, to their... I'm sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, and they're and they're threatening to invade Italy. Right, exactly. Well, and, yeah, and, so and in the, their in their uh, pro, in their prophecies, it's uh, in their prophecies, it's Rome yes. who is supposed to go to battle with them, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So their new hashtag is ISIS to Rome, God willing, or you know. Yes. Uh, wow. Uh, yep. We're coming to Rome, and uh, you know the uh, they just killed or uh, rather uh, cut uh, twenty one. Egyptian heads off uh, in Libya, um, mm-hmm. uh, Christian uh, Coptics, I think is the name. Yeah. And uh, during that video that they published on um, on, it, on the internet, uh, they were yelling, uh, "We will get to Rome! We will get to Rome!" or something like that. So yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and what what Italy and uh, Europe in general is doing right now is. We have massive, massive uh, illegal immigration coming through from Libya. Uh, mm. So they basically come with their, uh, or rather, the Italian Marines go and get them, you know, in the middle of the sea uh, for humanitarian reasons, obviously. Mm. And uh, so we're full of of, of these uh, immigrants that, by the way, we're paying uh, around 30 euros. That's around forty dollars a day, just to uh, keep up with uh, all of these. Mm. And I mean, a, a single person that is. Right, right. Uh, what they do is they have they have camps all over Italy. Uh, you know, the, the, the Italian government has set these up, or um, and, and they give the um, the immigrants uh, around uh, forty bucks cash every day. Uh, just for telephone calls and stuff like that, but that's another subject. Basically, the problem is uh, all of these uh, immigrants are coming in, and we have no way of screening them, basically. Right. And it's uh, it's and, obviously and ISIS so, is uh, sorry, and to do so yeah. would be considered racist and Islamophobic. Right, and, exactly. Cetera, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, and. One of the funny things is, uh, just to show you how politics aren't that different over here, is that the um, Italian foreign affairs minister uh, dared to say that um, Italy will be, quote, first in line to combat terrorism. And uh, ISIS is a global threat, 
and uh, Italy is ready to do whatever is needed, uh, you know, and all that. And uh, wouldn't you know, the Italian media and all the other politicians are are claiming he has spoken uh, uh, to. Um, He's too combative in his uh, in his uh, responses. Basically, they're mm. saying, "No, no, don't worry. You know, we we're, we're not going to war." Um, so yeah, it's basically major appeasement. Not as bad as Obama's because Obama's words are really disturbing. Uh, I mean, really, not, I, not no, quite he, as bad as Obama. I mean, I mean but, one thing. Um, sorry. I, Sorry, Bruno. I get yeah. I get very critical of even objectivists who use what I call Islam misnomers. Obama doesn't even go anywhere near the word Islam. He won't even say Islamic extremism. <laughs> he won't even say you know he'll say okay a perversion of Islam, but he won't even say anything close to that. So he's the worst. I know. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Well, basically that's that's all I wanted to say. That um, so we, so what we might you, see what a major you... infiltration in yeah. Europe. Yeah. You're being threatened, and uh, there are members of your government and maybe the media who are saying, well, you know, let's just, w I guess, wait until that happens, and then we might do something after that. I mean, clearly, right, exactly. it, Italy would be entitled to keep out entirely Completely. any of these so-called refugees or would-be immigrants or whatever, unless and until they could be reliably and effectively screened and not at your expense, at the expense of the people who want to come in. There's no, there's no duty to let people who pose a real and potential danger to your country to come in. So this is, I mean, I, you know, I, I wish you the best. And, I, you know, as far as I know, at least the Atlantic article says that it's not that they're supposed to go to Rome. It's that Rome is supposed to come to them at this one site that begins with be <laughs> in the Middle East or whatever. Um, so I certainly hope they're not coming there and of course Rome doesn't even have its own army anymore the Pope used to have an army that was you know long ago yeah. uh, you know I guess they'll say oh well the Italian army will do or you know we'll just go after the Italian citizenry I you know I don't know what they have in mind but we we wish you the best Any anything else Bruno uh, no that's on? it well thank you for the time and um, no thank you show. for the thank you for the perspective and, yeah. and do keep us posted uh, you know anything if you want to give us, you know, news from from Italy, but um, Thanks, bro. we we really appreciate it. We wish yeah, you the best. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Um, apparently, tens of thousands of foreign Muslims have been attracted to go join ISIS, and they come from all over: UK, Belgium, Germany, Holland, Australia, Indonesia, United States, etc. Um, and ISIS is also making a concerted effort to recruit conservative Muslim women. They will actually arrange passage to, to Syria for these women. So they want to build what they call a complete society. Then um, Wood talks about the fact that he went to Australia and met somebody named Musa Serantonio, who's a 30-year-old who wanted to go join ISIS, and then he was not allowed to. Uh, they took away his passport and everything else. And they say now he preaches on Facebook and Twitter. He's a supporter of the Islamic State, and he preaches on – why do Facebook and Twitter allow this? I mean, you know, we talked several weeks ago about what conditions, what sort of society, culturally, not just politically, but culturally, that we would have to live in in order to say, yes, I feel comfortable 
having a policy in which we would allow people who call themselves Muslims to immigrate. We can't say, you know, oh, we're going to anybody who calls himself Muslim at all, we're going to completely exclude them. You know, again, there's huge barriers to this. I would, you know, we'd have to do a thorough screening at the expense of the people who want to come, not at our expense. All of this stuff, right? Um, so there'd be these precursors. But but part of the prerequisite in the society is that people have freedom of association with respect to Muslims. We're allowed to discriminate if we want to. You know, you can hire them if you want to. You don't have to hire them. You can let them live in apartment buildings that you're renting. You don't have to. You know, total freedom of association needs to be restored. And we need to see the leading tech companies, social media outlets, cultural outlets reject and not support those who are recruiting to these, uh, you know, violent preachers of the medieval form of this religion. Um, but they're the letting him. Facebook and Twitter is letting this guy preach. It's ridiculous. He's a big, friendly man with a bookish demeanor. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Um, he but, wanted, I mean, he he basically has declared war against against Australia by trying to go to join ISIS and fight. Yeah, I mean, that's what that, that's what he's saying. Yeah. Now, and now he goes, you guys stop me. Now, li- now listen. And now he runs around free. Yeah, Australia, which is smart, has criminalized attempts to join or travel to Islamic State. Uh, they've confiscated this guy's passport, but they let him yes. just. And they're gonna what, watch him now or not watch him, so he'll end up killing the two people in the, in a in a in, in a, a cafe. cafe. Yeah. Which which has happened. I mean, a- anybody like this guy should be in prison. Absolutely right. That's it. Um, He's declared war. So then then they talk about the, you know he talks about the fact that the last caliphate was the Ottoman Empire, um, and and it was they I love the language. Um, Ataturk euthanized it yeah, in 1924, right. but now yeah, they have right. this caliphate, and apparently the Muslims sin by losing the caliphate, and they must always seek to establish the caliphate. And the most important thing about this particular guy, unlike bin Laden, is that he is Qureshi, is that how you pronounce it? He's of the appropriate race of Muslims right. so that he can be from, the caliph. Uh, from Muhammad's uh, old, um, old uh, gang. The caliphate, he says, is not just a political entity, but also a vehicle for salvation. This is what the the authority in Australia said. Um, The Muslim who acknowledges one omnipotent God and prays, but who dies without pledging himself to a valid caliph and incurring the obligations of that oath has failed to live a fully Islamic life. And he's saying, I would go so far as to say that Islam has actually been reestablished by the caliphate because it really doesn't exist unless people are pledging themselves to it. Um, And then in terms of whether he has pledged allegiance to it, he says, I didn't say that I pledged allegiance. Uh, Under Australian law, he reminded him, if if you pledge allegiance to the Islamic State, that's illegal, he says. But I agree that, you know, Baghdadi, this leader, fulfills the requirements of being the caliph, and he says, I'm just going to wink at you, and you take that to mean whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So here's this guy. He's on the street, free in Australia, having his passport revoked. They know who he is. He should be in jail. A friend of mine just said uh, uh, that they watch him. That they, the government does watch him. I think yeah. she's from Australia. So what? They trail him all the time. Is I, that but, cheaper but than having him in prison? That's what I'm saying. The how? What a waste of resources. Yeah. And time. And also, they might. Not, they and might they put people at risk even if they're Absolutely. watching him. So this, you know, again, even in uh, Copenhagen, they had security guards, they had cops there, everything at that one meeting about free speech, and that scum Muslim was able to shoot and kill one and, and hurt others. 
So it doesn't matter even sometimes if there's security. Yep, yep. Um, then they talk about the requirements for being caliph, and yes, you know. I think caliph. I think caliph. Caliph, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care to pronounce I, their language. Me, I know. I know. I'm like that sometimes too. But. <laughs> you know, we always, uh, we, we, I think, rightly criticize Rush Limbaugh for not pronouncing Ayn Rand's name properly. Yeah. Why? Because Ayn he Rand. obviously, or he says, he respects yeah. her. But I don't respect these guys. So no, if no. I mispronounce their terminology, no, I don't believe me, it's fine. give I mean, a crap. Mark Lynn does a good um, thing. He calls them yabba dabba which is fine. Yeah. Uh, so this Baghdadi guy is having tremendous magnetism. After he gave a sermon in July, a stream of jihadists began flowing daily into Syria with renewed motivation. Um, and then, so the the guy Wood goes on and he meets with three ex members of an Islamic group in London, including that chowdery guy. The principal goal of these guys in meeting with the journalist Wood was to explain what the Islamic State stands yeah. for and how its policies reflect God's law. Yeah. And they go on and they talk about that. Um, he says, speaking with all of these three different guys, he had to meet with them separately, felt like speaking with the same person wearing different masks. Yeah. So they're they're all in unison. And they're guys. honest about their, yeah. their, their religion. They're, they are. I mean, they will own, they will limit certain things. Like, again, you know, you know, uh, What's called declaring that they're part of ISIS, you know, they won't say it because it's illegal. So mm-hmm. on some grounds, they'll 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 fuss it up, but mostly they're honest. Right. And uh, that's important, you know. However, you know, they're scum, but we want to hear this stuff because this is, this is actually true. No, and this this is what we need to hear. Uh, Shoutery told Wood, "quote Maybe eighty-five percent of Sharia was absent from our lives." end quote, before this new caliphate. It says, without a caliphate, for example, individual vigilantes are not obligated to amputate the hands of thieves that they catch in the act, but now vigilantes can go ahead and, in fact, they're required to do that. The caliph is required to caliph, caliph, what do you say? Now you're making me think about pronunciation. Blah. Caliph. Um, it's, it's the required to what? implement Sharia, um, and if they don't implement Sharia, they would actually excommunicate this guy, so he has to do it. In return, the caliph uh, commands obedience. Those who persist in supporting non-Muslim governments after being duly warned and educated about their sin are considered apostates. So insofar as we have, quote, patriotic Muslim Americans, all those people are considered uh, apostates and enemies of the Islamic State. So keep in mind that these guys have put these videos out there showing what happens to apostates and all the Muslims here in the United States right, the ones that he tells them you guys are supporting a non-Muslim government, apostate. One thing also, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, uh, you know, Islam rejected the Enlightenment and never accepted it, uh, fought with, you know, they fought against it. Anyway, uh, Muslims who come into the West naturally become more civilized. Of course. And that's why, I say, see, the, the Islam's fine. Yeah, no. That's not Islam. That's Islam that's been enlightened. You know, uh, that's been so this idea that, you know, oh, they represent Islam and therefore, no, because I know a good Muslim. Uh, Obama says something also in that in that in that horrendous uh, speech about most Americans have never had any contact with Muslim. First of all, that's not true. That's not true at all. There are enough out there where people have made some contact and they have no problem with them. But it's not Islam that makes them have no problem with them. No. They've been civilized. Exactly. They've been enlightened. They've been Exactly. You know, it's just Now now listen, you know, this idea that the Islamic State wants to implement Sharia a hundred percent. Chowdhury, this guy in London, 
is really on the propaganda trail to make it even more attractive. And to many progressives in America, this, what I'm about to read to you, is going to sound very attractive. He says, Sharia has been misunderstood because of its incomplete application by regimes such as Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia, the thing that they didn't implement was the welfare type provisions. So quoting from Wood here, the whole package, Chowdhury said, would include free housing, food, and clothing for all. Though, of course, anyone who wished to enrich himself with work could do so. This is like Obama. You know, Obama at the end wants some sort of egalitarian utopia. Um, The social welfare program, they say, is progressive to a degree that would please an MSNBC pundit. That's what uh, Wood says. Um, And so, you know, to the Islamic State, they see this not as a policy choice, like to try to attract people. You know, Obama made it seem like, oh, you know, they're so attractive because they just do this thing to buy people. They actually see that as an obligation inherent in God's law that they do this. So when he was saying, you know, they do this and so therefore we should give them free stuff to kind of woo them away, Islamic State is doing it as part of what they see as their obligation to God's law. Now, in terms of, you know, what is the coming apocalypse, um, the end of days is what they're always focused on. Um, When we had the U.S. occupation of Iraq, the Islamic State's immediate founding fathers saw signs of the end times everywhere. Uh, You know, and it says, for certain true believers, the kind who long for an epic good versus evil battle, visions of apocalyptic bloodbaths fulfill a deep psychological need. I mean, think about it. Islam gives these psychopaths the idea that they're good and they're fighting evil. That right. is a powerful thing on these people's minds, on these people's weak minds, though. Wait a minute. I'm doing all this and I'm fighting evil. Right. So there's, I mean, there's no line I can cross to fight this evil? Good. And again, they target usually soft targets. They don't target armies. Right. They don't. They target innocent people. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing, you know, it's, it's not even respectful uh, uh, as an enemy. In a sense, there's no uniforms. They don't target armies. They target innocent people. Well, they do have this weird black uniform thing that yeah. they're wearing now. But um, So part of their beliefs are that there's only 12 legitimate caliphs, and this guy is the eighth, um, that they're going to have this war in the Syrian city of Dabiq near Aleppo. Um, so I guess that they have actually conquered this area. They, they possess Dabiq, and this is the ground where this epic battle between Rome and the Islamic State, the, you know, the caliphate is supposed to take place. Uh, the Dabiq battle refers to the enemy as Rome. Who Rome is, now that the Pope has no army, remains a matter of debate. Some people think it's going to be Turkey, um, the one that, you know, identified the self-identified, excuse me, that ended the self-identified caliphate 90 years ago. But other people think the Americans will do just Fine. One thing also, though, um, yeah. they refer to us and they think of us as weak, as absolutely weak, right? Cowards where we live. Mm-hmm. So what kind of victory would it be if they beat us, if we're just weaklings? You know? We're not this grand, powerful force that they're facing. They're facing cowards as far as they're concerned. So what kind of victory would yeah, it be? Yeah, I think that's a mixed thing, though, because I think on the one hand, you know, and, and if, you know, every time that it appears 
that they have defeated Americans. Why? Because we have a just war theory mm. and, you know, kind of rules of war where we where we tie our hands behind our back yeah. each time we fight we, them. Every time they they take great pride in <laughs> that and they get motivation out of it. Uh, yes, that, but right? what I'm saying is uh, what kind of victory would it be over cowards and weaklings? No, no, no. From I their know. perspective yeah. as quote unquote yeah. warriors. Well, the, so the way they depict it, the way the end time thing is supposed to go is that some anti-Messiah that's supposed to come is, is going to fight them and then they're going to fight them until only 5,000 of the caliphate's fighters remain. So they know that most of them are supposed to die and that only 5,000 of them at one point are going to be alive at this end time scenario. They're going to be cornered in Jerusalem. And then it says, just as Dajjal, this anti-Messiah, is supposed to finish them off, Jesus, the second most revered prophet in Islam, is supposed to return to earth, spear Dajjal, the anti-Messiah, and lead the Muslims to victory. Jesus is going to come lead them to victory. This is what they think. Um, Jesus is Muslim, by the way, according to the Quran. Right. He was son of Mary, son of Mary, son of Mary. Not son of God. Right. He was son of Mary. And just a Muslim. Yeah. Um, the uh, In terms of the fight, he says, the ideological purity of the Islamic State has one compensating virtue. It allows us to predict some of the group's actions. Right now, they are on an offensive jihad because why? They believe that the waging of war to expand the caliphate is an essential duty of the caliph. Um, they, uh, and, and this is interesting. He says, uh, Chowdhury in London, he took pains, says Wood, to present the laws of war under which the Islamic State operates, right? You know, all these beheadings and horrible things, as policies of mercy rather than of brutality. Why? Because if they do all these disgusting things, doing so hastens victory and avoids prolonged conflict. Um, if And then uh, here's he talks about some things, Wood, that if the caliph does this, you know, anything that smacks of coexisting with other political entities in the world, if the caliph does any of this, then its legitimacy is gone. So, for example, if the caliph consents to a peace longer than 10 years or any sort of permanent border, then he will be seen to have sinned. He must wage jihad at least once a year. He may not rest or he will fall into a state of sin. Um, they're, they're not permitted, for example, like... Um, the Khmer Rouge did, to send an ambassador to the UN because then you recognize an authority other than God's. Um, now, so, the UN would accept them, but, you know. Yeah, so, the UN would accept the representative from right. Israel, but anyway, Yeah, so this, this is the good news. Um, he says, it's hard to overstate how hamstrung the Islamic State will be by its radicalism. So, for example, in you know 1648 Peace of Westphalia, each of the states is supposed to recognize borders. But the Islamic State will never recognize any borders. Why? Because if they do that, it's ideological suicide. Yeah, all of Earth belongs to Allah. Right. And then he goes on to talk about how the U.S. and its allies, our reaction is we're way behind the ball. We are re reacting to Islamic State belatedly, he says, and in well, an apparent we're, we're and we're in an apparent daze. Yeah. Daze. By uh, anti-truth we, we are a we are uh, refusing to recognize the reality of what this is. And he gives as an example a quotation from Obama, with the, you know what he told the New Yorker. Uh, he said that he considered ISIS to be Al Qaeda's weaker partner, and this is the quote from Obama. If a JV team 
puts on Lakers uniforms, that doesn't make them Kobe Bryant, end quote. This is uh, President of the United States of America? President of the United States of America. While Americans were being beheaded, which he did nothing about. Yeah. Yep. And this is just over a year ago, even though, and again, go read the article, but he talks about the history of Islamic State going, you know, back to 2010 and beyond in terms of, you know, its extreme uh, ramp up in activities. He says, uh, he says, if we had identified the Islamic State's intentions early and realized that the vacuum in Syria and Iraq would give it ample space to carry them out, we might at a minimum have pushed Iraq to harden its border with Syria and preemptively make deals with its Sunnis. And we could have avoided the, quote, electrifying propaganda effect that was created by this declaration of the caliphate. Also, yeah. the Muslims who think that they're going too far, ISIS, there's nothing in the Quran to stay their, to stay their hand. Nothing. Yes, exactly. Nothing. Yeah. This is unleashed yeah. and, and, and instead, you know, we're, oh, you know, it's uh, not Kobe Bryant. Um, and, 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 no, but this, this is what I like, too. He says, you know, first of all, we're in these days, you know, we're not recognizing reality. And then he says that, you know, trying to, uh, you know, not, if, if we don't appreciate the differences, for example, between the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda, um, Al-Qaeda, as bad as it is, is, is an entirely different beast. He says this has led to dangerous decisions. And he gives an example of us trying to save one of the hostages, Kasig, by having a representative from Al-Qaeda meet with a representative from Islamic State. Um, luckily, in terms of the long-term battle, I mean, you know, Kasig, uh, unfortunately, was killed. But in terms of the long-term battle, Luckily, there wasn't any rapprochement between um, Al Qaeda and Islamic State because you know Wood is saying that this would be disaster. He says uh, Makdisi, who is the Al Qaeda representative, gets mocked roundly on Twitter by the Islamic State's fans, and Al Qaeda is held in great contempt for refusing to acknowledge the caliphate. Um, they consider soft. Yeah, um, it, it, it quote. This is a quote from somebody about, you know, Makdisi's opinion, like how much good it would do you if you were being held by Islamic State. Quote, if I were held captive by the Islamic State and Makdisi said I shouldn't be killed, he told me, I'd kiss my ass goodbye. This is horrible. Um, but if they had yeah. succeeded, what Wood is saying, if, they, if their plan to save Kasich by, you know, um, sending this, Representative Al Qaeda over there. If that had succeeded, that would have been a bigger tragedy. Why? It would have because Al Qaeda also because we've done well, and it, and it on our behalf. And it would have given Islamic State, you know, kind of resources and outreach that it doesn't have right now. Because I mean, maybe Al Qaeda would have gone on and done things that Islamic State wouldn't. Is our enemy the, the idea that they're, you know, so, I mean. ISIS believes that they're soft. They killed thousands of Americans. They killed thousands right. of people across the world. If they're soft, I mean, what's hard, you know? Right. Now, then he starts to go into strategies. Um, you know, how is it that we could defeat it? And he says, some observers have called for escalation in the battle, including several predictable voices from the interventionist right, Max Boot and Frederick Kagan, he cites, who have urged the deployment of tens of thousands of American soldiers. He says, these calls should not be dismissed too quickly. An avowedly genocidal organization is on its potential victim's front lawn, and it is committing daily atrocities in the territory it already controls. So, he, you know, Wood says, we should consider this. But what he talks about is, he says, ultimately, he doesn't think that's going to 
work. But, you know, he, he does it the first considerate. He says, look, if, if we go ahead and take these territories from them, Islamic State, in order to survive, actually has to have territory. It can't exist as an underground movement like Al-Qaeda did because the territory has this propaganda value. And he says all of that would disappear. However, he says, um, if the state musters at Dubik in full force and, oh, wait, no, he says if the state musters at Dubik in full force only to be routed, it might never recover. So this is the upside. This would be the argument for going over there and having a ground war. And then he says, and yet the risks of escalation are enormous. And he says, why? Because everybody believes the Islamic State wants to embark on a modern day crusade and kill Muslims. He says, yet another invasion and occupation would concern, uh, confirm the suspicion. And he says, the incompetence of our previous efforts as occupiers has the threat of making the strategy not work at all. He says, who knows the consequences is of it, another it, another botched job? No, this is, this is his words. Yeah. Incompetence of our previous previous efforts as occupiers. Now, we... I don't think we should occupy anything in the world. Absolutely Why not, not just flatten it? Um, <laughs> if we could flatten as much as possible and, no, and not kill it. We have a general idea where people. they are, and we bomb them yeah. to smithereens. And then they realize, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, he, he, recommends, awake now. he recommends instead that we continue to slowly bleed it through airstrikes and proxy warfare. He says that appears the best of bad military options. Um, he says they can keep the Islamic State from fulfilling its duty yeah, to expand. We can't defeat them by killing them. Uh, the, the State Department said we can't defeat ISIS just well, by killing them. Well, you know, maybe I'm that's what, you know, maybe that's, What I'm saying is you kill them and then, they, then they're defeated. Yeah. <laughs> you kill as many of them as possible, then they realize, oh, you know, this prophecy, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, so he says, he says we should go ahead and maybe if we're going to do military, just slowly bleed it, basically let it run its course because it's not going to be able to fulfill its duty, its you know religious duty to expand as it's supposed to. If we can just use proxy warfare to contain it in a certain way, he thinks that's okay. Um, but he, he And he says also that the leadership of ISIS, while it does wish ill on the United States, the application of Sharia and the Caliphate and the expansion to contiguous lands is their paramount concern. So whereas, you know, they're happy to try to coax us into having war with them over there, they're not necessarily primarily going to expand over here. Some of them Even though have, they, no, they, they, they give calls out to their supporters in America, drive over them, stab them in the neck, uh, uh, put a rock to their head. No, yeah. they're, but they're telling them on that level. Right, right. But, but they know that if they, they can't take us on. They can't. No matter the rhetoric, they cannot. No, no, I know. And again, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. That's why they talk a big game. No. That's why they're talking what they do, because they know that we're not unleashing on them. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, basically we could just let them kind of blow and, and run out of steam. He says, one of the Islamic State's less bloody videos shows a group of jihadists burning their French, British, and Australian passports. These guys are on a one-way ticket. To just go hang there. Doctor Ed Powell says it right. Um, the, the slow bleed strategy means a lot of innocent exactly. deaths. Yeah. And this guy's willing to live with that. The way our politicians are living, willing to live with our deaths. This is unacceptable. Yeah. We can't even think, you know, long term. No, no, no. De defend us by destroying them. No, and and, and stop and, innocence from you know, being killed. No, and and really, what do you do then? You question what was the strategy? What was the overall moral theory of war? that resulted in the, quote, botched jobs yes. in 
the Middle East. Right. It was the idea that we were supposed to occupy and build their infrastructure and give them, them all, yeah, democratize them, all this stuff. Go who, door who cares? To door Just go them. and destroy and forget this. We can, you know, we yeah. can destroy ISIS tonight. Mm-hmm. We can destroy ISIS tonight. We are refusing to. Yep. And ISIS knows that. Yeah. That's why they're doing what they do. Is that wait a minute? The most powerful force on earth is leading us free to do what we what we want. Mm-hmm. So to hold them, we just keep doing it and threaten them. So no, I I definitely agree with you guys that if we did a proper military operation and did it quickly and just got rid of these guys, that would be the best. He says in in a contrast, what Wood recommends is that we do this kind of slow bleed through proxy warfare, et cetera, no. and, that, and that in the background we watch for any potential allegiance that they might form with al-Qaeda because that would be dangerous. He said if they have this we allegiance. Al-Qaeda, which we can also. And yeah. That's the whole thing. It's like the whole you know, subtext here is, well, this is an endless war. And we could, no, no, no. If we, have, if we actually go to war, if we actually go to war, almost 14 years after 9-11, we can defeat them. Mm-hmm. But the idea is so alien now. It's so accepted that, well, this is an endless war. As Bush said from day one, remember, it's a long war. Why? Because you're choosing to be a long war. You are making sure it's a long war. Exactly. That's why. And if we did what we have to on our defense, on our behalf, we would destroy them in short time. And believe me, there will be no more startup or upstart groups like ISIS coming up in the Middle East. Right. You know, in 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 fiction, in Pigman's world, there's no ISIS. There's no ISIS. No. You know, he goes out there. He and makes, gets them before they. There can are exist. less terrorist groups in the, in Pigman's world than there are ours, and there are no new ones. Right. Right. Now, um, in the the end of this article, he talks about the idea of dissuasion. Um, that the the idea of saying that they are you know, non-Islamic is completely, completely deceiving yourself. Um, But he expresses hope for a so-called quietist version of Salafi, uh, Salafi Islam or something. That's crap. Because they believe in jihad too. I love this crap. Yeah, so he goes, well, and and here's, here's the idea, right? They believe in jihad, but they don't believe in jihad here and now. Uh-huh. It's in some, you know, yeah. and benign someday. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Look, the the, the believe we can kill. We can behead ten, not twenty. I mean, twenty is too much, you know. Let's behead ten. What I'm saying is, every single sect except for the Ahmadiyya, which is which is considered heretics because the the founder of the Ahmadiyya sect, the right. Muslim was considering himself a prophet, which is impossible because, according to Islam, Muhammad was the last prophet. Right. Every single Muslim group believes in jihad, whether extreme no, know, jihad or, or passive jihad. They believe in jihad. Well, Wood, so this you know, Wood gives this guy out of Philadelphia or wherever he is, this quietest Salafi imam guy who is a convert from. Nice guy makes me laugh. Yeah. No, no, what I'm saying is he's, yeah. he's a civilized human being who lives where? In America. In America. Yeah. So he says, you know what? That really makes me ooh woozy when I see those guys doing that thing. I don't, I don't like to be associated with that. Therefore, not he's. Nothing in the face of jihad. Right. He can say nothing against it. Nothing. Well, but here, here's the thing. So basically, in Wood's opinion, as far as he can tell, this quietist mm-hmm. Salafism, as he calls Again, it, would brutality. well, but he's saying it it at least doesn't look hypocritical like so many other versions of Islam do. Because and and he says this is the important thing. He says, uh, you know, hypocrisy is not a sin. 
that ideologically minded young men tolerate well. He's basically saying if you're going to have an ideological alternative within Islam to Islamic State, it's going to have to be this, Who cares? which is supposedly, you know, uh, adhering to the religion strictly, et cetera. Personally, but just, who, who cares? Yeah. I mean, we have to defend ourselves. Whatever, after we destroy them, let them lie to themselves, tell them Islam means peace, and actually we'll show it now. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We have to destroy them. Whatever the hell they want to do at, after, the, after the smoke clears, up to them. No, exactly. Leave us alone. And he says, uh, he says, you know, this is, again, from Wood. He says, Western officials would probably do best to refrain from weighing in on matters of Islamic theological debate course, altogether. He says right. Barack Obama himself drifted into takfiri waters, <laughs> right? Because he's claiming that the Islamic yes. State is not yes. Islamic. Um, the irony being that he, as the non-Muslim son of a Muslim, may himself be classified as an apostate. And yet is now... He is and, an apostate. So he's an apostate, and he's now practicing takfir against Muslims. There was a New York Times writer at the time when he was running who said, this is a problem, potentially. We have a president who is a foreign Muslim. Yeah, and and says Wood, he's practicing this practice yeah, of exactly takfir, right. where you say you're not really right. Muslim enough, right? So this is what one of the Islamic State supporters tweeted about Barack Obama practicing this takfir. Right. He says it's like quote a pig covered in feces giving hygiene advice to others. He wrote that. end quote. This is this is a tweet yeah. because of course they're all allowed to tweet this crap, yeah. right? Um. Most of them have been educated also. Most of the leaders in these groups have been educated. But this is this is um this is what you know where you talk about the appeal of an extremely consistent, a consistent ideology, the appeal of that. Um there's a quote that Wood puts in here from Orwell talking about why something like the Islamic State would appeal and why, I think erroneously, Wood concludes that you have to have this other extreme Salafi version of Islam, the so-called peaceful kind. Yeah. But he says, look, he says, fascism, you know, kind of this extreme, uh, you know, well, 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 yeah, okay. yeah, f- extreme totalitarian ideology. Fascism, Orwell continued, quote, is psychologically far sounder than any hedonistic conception of life. Whereas socialism and even capitalism in a more grudging way have said to the people, I offer you a good time, Hitler has said to them, quote, I offer you struggle, danger, and death, and as a result, a whole nation flings itself at his feet. We ought not to underrate its emotional appeal. So, you know, this is the warning. Um, They make them, they're, they're telling me you'll be a warrior fighting evil. Right. And these weaklings, these unthinking weaklings, and even even though they're promised, you know, they're promised that most of them are going to die. And again, I'm not one to call them, you know, cowards, weaklings. No, they're they're highly committed scum who are looking to cut heads off. You you can't be a weakling coward and do that. But what I'm saying is, they their weakness leads them to join ISIS, and then they become you know barbaric, then they become butchers. Yeah, but the weakling, you know, their weakness leads them to it. Exactly. No, and I. You know, I've spent a lot of time in this article. There's still, I mean, again, 34 pages in reader view. Go check it out in terms of just the extensive evidence for the conclusions that I've been talking and about here. the contrast to what's being said today by Obama. Well, and, 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 and that's, that's the whole point. So, in you know, a mainstream magazine. Yeah, so here's, here's you know, Obama. Oh, it's JV and, uh, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, insane. <laughs> they think, it's like, wait a minute. Talking about butchers and basketball. He's trying yeah. to say that they're 
No, these are butchers. Those that's basketball, and also to diminish them. Look, at the, they are growing as we speak, and Barack Obama do nothing about it. Now, Salon has you know, you know the you know the JV president is doing nothing about that. Right. Salon apparently has a reaction piece. Um, I'm just going through the Jihad uh, Watch reporting of it. Uh, Salon says, <laughs> a writer for Salon says, quote, Look at his name. If, if you want to know why ISIS exists, don't bother searching yes. Islamic texts or examining Islamic, Islamic traditions. And, and don't, look there, please, don't, please look, don't look there. Don't look. Please, because don't look. it'll be completely insane. And yeah. I know that too, but I'm yeah. going to pretend that it's not. Because this leftist rag has allowed me to, to, to spread yeah. this, this propaganda. He, this guy from Salon apparently excoriates Graham Wood for, quote, daring to suggest that the Islamic State has something to do with Islam. Uh, Daring Islamic State. So here's a quote from Harun Mogul, who was from, uh, wrote in Salon. He says, Harun Mogul, yeah. yeah. He says, imagine a group of people who rape, enslave, maim, murder, ethically cleanse, extort, burn, behead. But then imagine this. They don't lie, can't lie, won't lie. That's what Graham Wood's recent essay, oh, you know, what it, they really want us to believe. So he's saying basically they're all lying And don't look at the sources also. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you look at the sources, then you'll know that they're not lying. So therefore, don't look at the sources. Don't, don't the read. Title, I mean, look, yeah. Sorry, look at the title of the yeah. piece again. Just read the title. Well, that's just the quote from, I, yeah. from Jihad Watch. But, no, okay, okay. But the, but the title itself does suggest something. Doesn't it? The actual. Oh, I don't article? know what I don't know what the actual title. I think, I think the title might is. be okay. actually that, which is what I'm saying. Yeah. The point is, don't study Islam because you'll know that Islamic State completely represents Islam. And I'm here to do the dirty work and soften you guys up for ISIS to come and kill you. Right. But that's the whole point here. You got these quote unquote moderate Muslims, the ones who are you know fashion themselves as Muslims. They're outspoken. They're out there. Right. They are here to soften us up. They're not here to make Islam just look good as an end in itself. No. They're here to make us weak and ready for the kill. So here is, you know, again, Salon's trying to argue, no, no, they're just lying. And they're lying. That's don't, it. don't believe them. Um, then there's this piece by Fareed Zakaria. By the way, um, Investors uh, Business Daily, as they're on the left column, published He's a plagiarist this. through and through, and he has a constipated face. But go on. <laughs> He, he always says, has a face. He says, uh, President Obama stands accused of political correctness for his unwillingness to accuse groups like the Islamic State of, is, quote, Islamic extremism, choosing a more generic term, violent extremism. His critics say you can't fight the enemy that you're not going to name, that his approach is too prof- professorial, etc. He says, but far from being a scholar concerned with describing the ph- phenomenon accurately, the president is That's deliberately choosing not to emphasize the Islamic State's religious dimension for political and strategic reasons. And he's backing that up. And he's backing that up. He's choosing not to emphasize. Emphasize. Yeah, yeah emphasize. That's, that's, what, yeah. that's what fuels them. So he says, after all, what would be the practical consequence be of describing the group known as ISIS as Islamic? Um, um, acknowledging he, reality? Yeah. How about that for a practical? And also the name, it's Islamic State. It's not an Islamist said, state. It's an Islamic state. He said, would the West drop more bombs on it, send more soldiers to fight it? Maybe, maybe not, right? I mean, that's not what uh, Wood is recommending. He says, no, he says, but it would make many Muslims feel oh. that their religion has been unfairly oh. maligned. And, well, and, 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 and here's, the, here's the question, okay? Regardless, those Muslims who don't well, know about the religion. Well, and listen, regardless of what it makes them feel, I mean, what is the truth of There's, the matter? Well, they, they're not feelings, entitled to placing, maintain feelings apart from Muslim reality. He's placing Muslim feelings yeah. above reality, above yeah. our defense. Exactly. And this guy is from the Muslim area. I don't know if he's an actual Muslim, but he looks like, he sounds like, he always is in sympathy. He wrote a book called The Post-American World, which Obama read. Of course he read that, because they mm-hmm. can't wait 
for a post-American world. As if what? That would, that, that would mean freedom? No. No, it wouldn't. We're not here. The world goes to hell. And that's what he wants, clearly, because he wrote a book about it. He didn't just talk about an article. He wrote a book about it, Post-American World. I have a follow-up to that, by the way, in The Infidel. Frank Warner, a.k.a. Pigman, writes a book. Uh, you'll see. You'll see when, when it comes out. Uh, he goes ahead and he tries to argue, you know, oh, there's, you know, this is the thing. He's trying to say, no, it's wrong. And then the question is, you're going to have to go to the text and see who actually cites the text. Um, um, there's also something here in the article that he suggests that uh, Islam, you know, it forbids, uh, uh, forbids suicide, excuse me. And that's just not true. I mean, there's a passage in the Quran literally that suicide bombers can actually point at and say, kill and be killed. Meaning, if you're killing infidels and die, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You know, if you if you kill yourself in order to kill others, that's good too. And uh, there's one moment in the infidel in the latest issue where you know Pigman goes on a rampage across the Middle East, and there's one where he comes across guys and they're so terrified to be touched by his pigskin leather gloves that they, right. kill, that they kill themselves. One warns them, no, 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 it's forbidden, it's forbidden. And then there's something that uh, one of them uh, says, guys, we have to figure this out. Okay, I got I got an idea. And my uh, fellow recovered Muslim cousin of mine suggested this one thing and it's really perfect and you'll see it again when it comes out as soon as it as soon as it comes out i'm still working on it i'm working on it but yeah no so 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 listen so no it probably um zakaria is talking about um some guy he says you know let's just look at some individual you know how they like to like have (laughs) one story right so there's this guy and he's just a middle-class fitness trainer and then suddenly there was a depressed economy and political turmoil, and then he you know, chose to adopt a version of Islam that is rigorous and militant, and now he's version, fighting for the Islamic Muhammad state. Muhammad version, go on. Yeah. So during the last Ramadan season, this guy tweeted a photograph of a, of a decapitated corpse. His post read, surely the holiday won't be complete without a picture of one of the dog's corpses. And they say, you know, he says, now he's a new uh, true believer. He says, but the question surely is, how did he get there? And, and what Zakaria is, trying to promote is the Marxist type of line that the, you know, kind of uh, material conditions with regard to wealth and everything else, that those are the things that made him do this. And he says, and this is what he says, he says, calling him Islamic doesn't really help you understand any of that. It's not just calling, I'm going to call, no, it's identifying him as such, recognizing him as Islamic. It's not calling him that. If it's you, like you know what you know what Joe I'm gonna call you Jim, okay? Right. That's it. I'm just gonna call you Jim. Well, and and you know again, try suppose that Obama and all of his administration that their idea was, well, we know it's Muslims, we know it's Islam, or you know we know it's Islam, right? Um, we know it's Islam, but let's not say the word and everything will be okay. Yes, now that's the whole thing. Uh, no, exactly now right. eventually, when you keep crippling yourself from actually stating. The word, which the word, of course, is this perceptual token for the concept of what Islam is, right? You're not going to kind of maintain your ability to recognize when Islam has influence and and it doesn't. You are actually disconnecting your brain from reality. And then you start making slips like Wood was talking about, this idea of sending the representative of al-Qaeda over to the Islamic State as if that's going to either succeed or not in the long term completely shoot yourself in the foot. Represent a member of, yeah. of, of a group that killed 2,000 Americans to go there and talk with others who have beheaded Americans. Mm-hmm. That's great. One thing also, uh, I don't know. 
I don't, you know, Zakaria basically is is pushing the old Marxist ideology that it's poverty and so, okay, political so he's strife. A, he's a communist Muslim, Zakaria, right? Right. Well, and it's funny because he brought up this idea of the communism too, and how like people, oh, well, they say it was true believer communist. What good did that do? I can't believe the rest of business deal actually published that. Propaganda. Um, Eric Holder um, goes out and says, "We're not at a time of war. <laughs> We're, We're not, not at a time, at time of, of war." war. There's also something here about the idea that it has nothing to, to, to do with Islam. I think they're trying to say, well, if we do say, then Americans are going to do what we know they're going to do. They're going to start slaughtering their Muslim neighbors. If we were ever to do that, we would have done that on the on the night of 9-11. If we were ever going to slaughter Muslims, this this idea that there's a backlash, right. it's a mythical thing. It's absolute BS. It, co- it condemns Americans for something that they haven't done or want to, and it's BS. Oh, poor Bruno, who called earlier, is here in the chat room, and there's a quote from a Bloomberg piece about oh, no. Italy is mulling an intervention in Libya to halt the Islamic State. Italy is ready to send more than 5,000 soldiers their hands tied behind their under back. a United Nations mandate to stop the Islamic State, quote, which is now 350 kilometers from our shores, end quote. Now, um, first of all, given the... Uh, condemnation by Obama. I mean, this is just inconceivable that he would do this. He condemned. Yes, he did. He condemned Egypt. Jordan and Egypt yes. for their reactions to the Islamic State yes. killing people from their country. Yes. Um, imagine what he's going to say about Italy. And I don't know that five. If 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 you go in there with force, you need to go in there with damn overwhelming force that yes. is going to splat them immediately. Absolutely. Um, don't go at all. Don't or don't go at all because of this idea that you're stirring up their hopes for their end times prophecy to come true. Well this idea also that if we go to war with them, then we'll give them what they want. Yeah. No, no, no. They want war, they want death. If anything, that's completely in alignment with us. We want them to die. I mean it's not a point that we have to avoid war. No, that's what we have to do. And they want death, we can give it to them in spades. I mean, we can kill thousands of them in one shot. Again, in the general area where they are, okay. And quote, unquote, the innocence there, this is war. Yeah. This is I it. mean, obviously, you try to spare them sure, as much you, as you possibly you can. can. But I think they But if you can knock them out with one big yeah. punch. We we need to go there. And I remember that Ed, uh, you know, Dr. Ed Powell here in the chat room at hmm. Blog Talk Radio, he called in before and he described the situation that is going on with North Korea and South Korea and why it is that we can't go in there with overwhelming military force because of the dangers that would pose to South Korea due to the geography and stuff. As I understand it, that just doesn't exist. There are some innocent people who are currently enslaved or captured yeah. by Islamic State. And if we can try to spare their lives, that would be awesome. And I imagine that if we really put our minds to it, we could end Islamic State oh, tomorrow no in a way that would minimize those no casualties. But, you know, this idea, well, well, it's not war. This ideology is at war with the United States. And this idea that you can keep, you know, the quietest Salafis oh, or whatever here, uh, you know, terrible. Religion is based on faith, you, and and really at, at root, the faith of somebody like this guy, you know, the imam from Philadelphia, I forget his name and I don't care, um, he, you know, right now says that he believes in peace, but tomorrow yes. he could get a revelation yes. that well, it's the time to well, bring thing. it into, you one know, if this guy's an imam, action. If, he, if he's an imam, he knows Islam, 
He knows jihad. He knows the Quran's call for war, for endless war. He knows that. So he's a stinking liar. Or he's a guy who says, well, I don't do that, so therefore... Yeah, it's okay. I mean, Salon is full of crap because really, who is it that's lying? Which one? And, and everyone has to decide but that also, for Salon's themselves by looking point, at the, the evidence. Salon, the whole point of this piece by Salon is don't read the scriptures. Don't read it. Don't read it. Please. Because that article might let you might get you to read them, so therefore we're saying don't read them. There's no argument against the, the, the article that Graham Wood wrote. There's no argument against it. They're just saying don't study Islam. It's like one care, a piece of crap group gives out free Qurans. They expect people to not read them. Exactly. That's it. They say, hold it. Huh? Just hold it, touch it, put it on your shelf. You should actually flip through all the pages and see if they're all printed, right? Maybe some of right. the you know, the, the verses are, are left out and everything else. So let's give um you know, here's our administration and some of the media, right? Salon, notably here. Um Fareed Zakaria. It, it's not that his, you know, Investors Business Daily agrees with Zakaria. They no. just say, oh, well, you know, we'll give. Still, I, no, but, no, but they're letting propaganda out there. Yeah, out, they are. They're behind it. They it's are. Like, what the hell? They are. Um, you know, so our, our politicians, much of our media, but there is some of our media who is actually starting to question Obama and his failure to identify the well. enemy. Oh, he said. Yeah, 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 some of the course, media. Of so this this is, again, I mean, Jihad Watch is such an awesome source of, of good it news is. on this these days. This is a clip from CBS where, yes, CBS, you heard it right, is actually questioning Obama and his, you know, use of the term violent extremism instead of Islamic extremism. Here's the clip. You heard people faulting President Obama for failing to identify this as Islamic extremism. Do you think this is a pseudo-controversy over semantics, or is this a failure to properly identify the enemy? Um, Nora, um, I understand what the president is saying, and I agree with it. We do not want to create the perception that we are at war with a religion. But the reality is that al-Qaeda and ISIS believe they are religious warriors. They believe that they are fighting on behalf of their religion for their religion. It's not rhetoric on their part. They really believe it. I think that is excellent. It is, it is good. And 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 what he could have gone on to say, yeah. and I don't know if he did because they, they clipped it here. Um, it's Nora O'Donnell, and she is speaking to. Let me give you. Let me give you the Put name of the guy. Let me give you the name yeah. of the guy. Um, his name is uh, Michael Morell, former deputy CIA director. Okay, but one thing I do take exception to is this idea. While we don't want to create the perception. Crap! Don't worry about creating it. It's a reality. It's not a perception. Well, it's a and, and and this is, I mean, you know, again, you have to go out there and explain the message consistently. And the consistent message to have is, at root, we need to acknowledge that Islam, fundamentally at odds, inconsistent with the pursuit of happiness, which is really the essence, the fundamental difference between the West and them, okay? So the thing that makes the West unique, makes the West what it is, is that over these centuries it's been groping at and sometimes being very close to achieving the right to the pursuit of happiness. That's us, right? And we're fighting for it to compl- you know, come to life again, although right. it's, you know, it's not really protected right now. That's what it is. It's the right to the pursuit of happiness. That is fundamentally at odds with any consistent religion, but today most 
you know, glaringly Islam because Islam again hasn't been reformed. So its adherents, it so be. so many, a substantial minority, at least of its adherents, believe that they need to declare this violent the jihad. The reason why Islam has not been reformed is because it cannot be. Yeah. People say, well, why, 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 why? It doesn't matter why. It can't. Well, and, and what and, I'm saying is, yeah. they keep saying, why hasn't it been reformed? It's like it hasn't because it can't. Well. At root, no religion can be, quote, reformed no, to be consistent it, with the right to you know the pursuit of happiness, leader, right? But would, there's a lot of people who compartmentalize look, fairly successfully Jews, over the whole course of their lives. A lot of, of lives, Christians right? have decided right, right. at mass, at large, to ignore a lot of the Bible and the Torah. They have, they have gotten, and basically they have all, well, a, a lot of them have decided, well, we're going to ignore a well, lot of it. And this is, this, is what, this is what Wood is basically saying. He's saying that maybe you could have, you know, some adherence to Islam that would say of these passages that are, you know, in the old text, <laughs> well, that those are no longer operative. Or, Again, or once we destroy them, they can lie to themselves forever about what Islam means and what they're going to do. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But we have to destroy them before things are even worse. So, but kudos to, yeah. to CBS to even to bring this say, up. say Islamic specifically. That was yeah. good. And then, again, just we talked about it briefly before, but kudos to the New York Post yeah. for publishing the cover of the article that they did. The cover of the New York Post, the late city final on uh, Thursday, February 19th, has a picture of Barack Obama with a blindfold, the beautiful blindfold metaphor, and the headline is Islamic terror. I just don't see it, and that's really the point. By his use of language, he is crippling his mind, and he's trying to hobble our mind's ability to grasp the true nature of the enemy and the threat that it poses. Now we've got a call here. I think it's from Ed. Doctor Ed. Hi, Doctor Ed. Sorry, Doctor Ed. Welcome, hey. Doctor Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I, Doctor Amy. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> I, I, I just I I just wanted to uh I wanted to comment about uh the Reformation and, and and this idea that uh that Islam needs to be reformed. actually mm-hmm. the Christian Reformation was a was a fundamentalist turn. It, it is the church has gotten too worldly, we have to go back to the fundamentals. And in in that sense the Islamic State is of the Reformation. Yes. Of Islam, okay. Um, and in and, fact, and, Islam and, sorry, has gone and, through and a number of was also, I'm sorry, Ed, one second. Yeah. Well, uh, Wahhabism was considered that also in the late 1800s, but now this is the That's modern version. Right. Yeah, sorry. There, there's been a number of reformations in Islam over its history. Uh, after the first 100, 150 years, uh, the Islamic Empire kind of, kind of crumbled because it was too big for one person to uh, control, and and they looked inward, and they were a little bit less, uh, you know, attacked the infidels for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's, would, there would be a new reformation. We've got to get back to the real meanings of Islam. There would be more than that. Then there was kind of the, the, the golden age where they were a little bit, uh, you, know, you know, more clear uh, about, uh, you know, Greek, the Greece and reason and Aristotle and whatnot. And then there was another reformation, 1200. Yeah, Al Ghazadi, and then, and, and so I think you know what we we look at our, the Protestant Reformation, we see ah that must have been the cause of uh, the Enlightenment, and it and it really wasn't. It was um, it certainly broke the back of the Catholic Church, but it 
it cost you know 100 or 150 well, years I mean, of, of war could you and, could you and say so, could you could you say could you say though that what it did is it put in front of people what their religion actually means if they were to be consistent about it, and so then it would cause more people to reject it. And they recoiled. Do you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, one of, the things, one of the things that the Protestant Reformation did was turn it from a corporate religion into an individual religion. That's true. It did do that. Right. Um, and, 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 similarly, and similarly, if we were to describe Islamic State as what it is, as truly... The most consistent, you know, and that's what I said earlier in the show, that it yeah. is the most consistent example of what Islam means in practice on the face of the globe today. And if if, if people really, and including, you know, most importantly, all the Muslims looked at this, they would maybe get off their, you know, you know what, because I think so many of them have been way too quiet, and, and uh, they would say, well, if I want to still call myself a Muslim, I'm going to yeah. have to really have an explicit break from this. They can come up with whatever, you know, whatever, right. whatever inconsistent rationalization for a new type of Islam that they want to put together. That's their business. That's it's exactly not right. my business. But in a way, I mean, you know, uh, Obama, I Obama showing and, the world what Islam means. Right, right, right. right. And, 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 and when Obama and any of the media who are, you know, his water carriers, as as much as they deny the Islamic nature of the Islamic State, they're going to prevent that process from happening to Islam, which Absolutely. is maybe his goal. Yes, you know, what, no, but they also want to. Yeah, you're right. But they want to save Islam for some damn personal reason, some twisted reason. It can't be. Saved. Well, I mean, I think I think the truth is that if you if you wanted to turn Islam into a more enlightened, you know, less barbarous religion, you mm-hmm. would have to detach it from the state. And that's the one thing that neither Bush nor Obama want to advocate. You know, Bush could have said, you know, Bush could have made the Iraqis have a constitution with freedom of religion and separation of church and state in it, but he right. didn't. And we don't criticize the Saudis, who are just as bad as Absolutely. the Saudis, by the way. Um, and the point is that if we really cared about defeating this enemy, it would go back to an article I think Ayn Rand Institute put out a while ago. Uh, I forget who it was. Was it uh, Lewis, uh, John Lewis before he died mm-hmm. that compared what we did with Japan and what mm-hmm. we were not doing in Iraq? And that is right. to the extent Islam is a personal religion, that's fine. To the extent it's tied up in any way with the state, it has to be eradicated. And that right. kind of, that, that's what our policy should be. And no. that's the thing that they won't do because it would offend our friends, the Saudis, and, the Saudis and our friends, own, the Kuwaitis, and our friends, the, right. you know. And the Saudis who own a lot of Western politicians, they, they bought them as soon as they could. I and agree. by generations. And yet Al Sisi in Egypt is like, yeah, that, that, it's almost there, you know? I mean, it's, he, he's almost to that point. And uh, of course, what we end up doing is what the Obama administration ended up doing is, is attacking them. Um, for, 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 for getting defending you know, people. three quarters for defending of the way. People. Three quarters oh. of the way. Anyway. Thank, Have thank a good weekend, you. Amy. Bosh. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Dr. Red. And we're going to go into a, another way now in which, yeah, thanks for you calling in. Uh, Bruno brings uh, up one aspect here about Christianity. Now. Oh, yeah, that Jesus was a pacifist. He was a pacifist. Whereas Muhammad was a, was a holy warrior. So that sort of. And uh, that also, you know what? Yeah. That seems to. People don't care about that. That's a huge thing. No, no, of when course. The quote, unquote, when the quote unquote perfect man in Islam was a warlord. What are Muslims supposed to do? They're supposed to be warlords. They're supposed to fight. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, overall this 
refusal to recognize, and it is, it's a refusal to recognize the nature of the enemy, I highly urge you to go read the article at The Atlantic and go ahead and read your Quran. I mean, you know, on Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer has available, um, you know, notes that assist you in reading the Quran. You can do it. Um, I've got that old interview with Robert Spencer. You can search on um, on Blog Talk Radio. Just search Robert Spencer, and you'll find my, all, my interview. That'll all, all that stuff will help you. Just come to your own decision. But I have come to the conclusion, I think, with a lot of good evidence, that Obama is literally putting the blinders on himself and trying to put the blinders on oh, us. Exactly. And perhaps, as came out in that conversation with uh, with Ed Powell, perhaps preventing the process That's of repar- one reformation of best, from best happening. That's point made today. The idea that if we're honest, if we defend ourselves completely with full force, right. Muslims who are, really do hate ISIS would have to make a major, major decision at that point. Yes. Do I want to be associated with this barbaric religion? We need to force... Or am this, I going to completely leave? We don't want to punt or put this issue down the road and just leave the so-called quietists amongst our, us because again you know it's arbitrary tomorrow this guy could have a revelation and decide that he needs to to join isis so let me let me get to uh, another topic and again I, I have this kind of random assortment of issues that bring out this um this idea of how you use language and how it contributes to destruction i'm teaching an education law class up at um southwestern right now and there is a, a bunch of language having to do with the unionization of teachers that is vague at best and misleading at worst. And, of course, the whole idea of, quote, bargaining rights, you could ask that. I actually had a, a lengthy discussion with students about, you know, what do bargaining rights actually mean? It, it means the so-called right to force other people to the table with you when they wouldn't do so voluntarily. That's a right, supposedly. Um, But then there was this term that came up in this chapter on unionization, and the term is organizational security arrangement. Organizational security arrangement. And you can go and look at my, you know, full post on this at the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on, on Facebook. But in essence, the organization that gets security is the union. And the way it gets security is by financing it. And the way it gets the finances is by forcing people, even those who don't belong into the union, to pay for it. So under California law, if you are a teacher who elects not to belong to the union, not only does the union have the exclusive right to bargain on your behalf with your employer, the school district, it also has the right to force you to pay it money, at least to the extent of what they call an agency fee which is very close to the amount of dues anyway. So a lot of people join the union and say, well, at least I can vote. Um, If you object and you really don't want your money to go to the union, you can say you have a religious objection. So atheists are, you know, out of luck, apparently. But if you have this religious objection, then your money will, and it's going to be probably the amount of the dues itself because the union can penalize you. They can say, well, if you'll give us the money, the agency fee, it can be a bit less than the dues. But if you're going to screw us over and you're going to actually insist that you have a religious objection, we can force you to pay more than those agency fee guys. We can force you to pay the full amount of the dues. You have to hand it over to a charity. But to make it, you know, adding insult to injury, suppose you're religious, the charity that you're going to send it to has to be non-religious. 
It is disgusting. Anyway, that was organizational. So talk about using language to facilitate destruction. This elevates the rights of the group, you know, this collective organizing thing over the individual. And it it hides what it's doing. Fundamentally dishonest. That's the point. That's that's the language of, of destruction. Lies. If you want to be honest, you need to use proper clear language in, when you, in which you actually identify. Now, I'm going to read you a quote in a minute, and I, I pulled it out because it is relevant to the Johnny Ive poster. But I was looking at the introduction to Journals of Ayn Rand, and I have a link to Journals of Ayn Rand on Amazon if you get interested in grabbing it. But um, Leonard Peikoff in his foreword to the journals is describing notable things in the journals that you can see, you know, because the journals are where Ayn Rand wrote her ideas, kind of worked out her ideas and her thinking on both literary and philosophical issues. And he says notable things. He says the need for intellectual honesty. And then the second, he says the need for precise formulation, even in private notes. Okay, this is about the issue of the importance of language for clarity, for the ability to stay in touch with reality. So listen to uh, Leonard Peikoff on this. He says, for example, she says, quote, a possible definition of a right. A right is that which it is morally, morally permissible to defend by force. She says, here I have to be very careful. This might be totally wrong. If carelessly handled, it could be used as justification for the right of a communist to murder an employer who does not give him a job. Again, quote, sins of omission come in. This is only a hint, a possible clue to be thought out very carefully from every possible angle and in every possible application. It is no good, she says, unless a total proof of it can be given, end quote. So when she's going to define her terms, she's going to define them precisely. Um, Precision and honesty. And she would have used uh, your she would have called Islam Islam language. Yeah, right. Yeah. Called Islam, Islam <laughs> we can we could have a debate another time. Huh. Um, but the reason I brought this up, um, I actually pulled out the the journals, was because, and actually I've I've now lost my spot, but I think I actually I'll be able to find it easily again. Um, I wanted to contrast the language that she uses to motivate herself. There's a passage of self-motivation in the journal with the motivational poster that they've talked about for that Johnny Ive of Apple has read. in his office. I can read it. We're, we're taking out every word. I yeah, can, yeah. Go, go, go ahead and read. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a poster. I, but I can read it without you the just, you just, you could, just say, you say effing okay. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, this is a poster on Johnny Ives, the chief designer at Apple, one of the greatest designers in the world in any tech field. But anyway, a poster in his office. In his office. This is, he walks in and he sees this. He goes, believe in your effing self. Now, he says the actual word. Stay up all effing night. Work outside of your effing habits. Know when to effing speak up. Effing collaborate. Don't effing procrastinate. Get over your effing self. Keep effing learning. Form follows effing function. A computer is a light bright for bad effing ideas. Find effing inspiration everywhere. Effing network. Uh, educate your effing client. Trust your effing gut. Ask for effing help. Make it effing sustainable. Question effing everything. Have an effing concept. Learn to take some effing criticism. Make me effing care. Use effing spell check. Do your effing research. Sketch more effing ideas. The problem contains the effing solution. 
think about all the effing possibilities. That's on his wall. Now, I have published a link to the poster on uh, both my personal Facebook page and, and the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook. If you're interested in checking out that poster, I'm laughing. I'll explain why in a minute. Now, where... It says it needs a good editor, this thing. It needs a good <laughs> effing editor, right? Okay? So I'll explain why I'm laughing in a minute and why I might think that that poster could be effective, and that puts me at odds. I've also uh, had a little bit of exchange with Leonard Peikoff about this, and because he hasn't told me why he disagrees with it, I can't tell you, but as he, he actually rejects that yeah. because of the excessive profanity. But let me read you a passage from the journals of Ayn Rand where Ayn Rand is writing to herself early in her career. She says, from now on, no thought of whatever, no thought whatever about yourself, only about your work. You don't exist. You are only a writing engine. Don't stop until you really and honestly know that you cannot go on. Concentration, she has an exclamation point. Learn to enjoy action and effort. Learn that your work is a certain kind of work and that the state of your mind should be different from that which you have when doing nothing. You can't write and do something else. Sound familiar? Um, do, Do you live for action or for rest? Stop admiring yourself. You are nothing yet. You must know how to control your moods and your mind. Be absolute master of yourself and your mind. How can you rule anybody or anything if you can't rule your own mind? The secret of life, you must be nothing but will. Know what you want and do it. Know what you were doing and why are you doing it every minute of the day. All will and all control send everything else to hell. Be a tyrant. No compromises with yourself. Do everything absolutely. Try to forget yourself, to forget all high ideas, ambitions, supermen, and so on. Try to put yourself into the psychology of ordinary people when you think of stories. Try to be calm, balanced, indifferent, normal, and not enthusiastic, passionate, excited, ecstatic, flaming, tense. Learn to be calm, for goodness sake, exclamation point. Look at everything through the eyes of a very skeptical, very prosaic businessman. Think of more than the psychology, excuse me, think more of the psychology of your heroes according to their characters. Not so straight and crude. The same things can be more complicated and different as they usually are in life, end quote. Now, similar, uh, Rand, I of course, is more eloquent. Let me... You know, say one thing in defense of the poster. Now, first of all, Johnny Ive, as awesome as that guy is, as far as I can tell, he probably isn't an Ayn Rand in terms of genius, in terms of sheer willpower and motivation. The woman was a hero. So there's that, right? So Ayn Rand maybe wouldn't need the poster that Johnny Ive has. But let me just argue for the poster. He maybe needs that pep talk. Now, if he had a more prosaic wording, a very calm, non-profane wording of those ideas on a poster in his office, it wouldn't jar him the way that that does, right? So actually, when I see that, I, I was laughing. I was just laughing. And so you, it might bring a chuckle to you, but that would be kind of enough to disrupt, you know, disrupt the force of habit. You know, one thing we've been doing this Evan Pagan thing, and he talks so much about how we do. We go through our daily lives a lot in habit, yeah. and it's better to wake up and be more deliberate about what we're doing all the time, which is something that Ayn Rand yes. talks about in that passage there. This idea of, of knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it all the time as I'm dropping everything here. Sorry. Um, I'm getting excited. Uh, <laughs> but 
you know, he may need that little jolt well, clearly does. To, to, to wake him up and to make him actually pay attention to, to what's going Because some of those motivational posters, oh, I they're mean, weak. they're just weak sorry, and they're drippy. Weak. They're, they're, they're going to become a fixture on your wall. You're going to ha- you're going to habitually look at them without considering the message. And maybe the profanity would make a difference. That's just Maybe idea. he needs to walk in and get jolted to work. Is that, okay, uh, that daily reminder. Now, uh, Ed in the chat room says it's the whiplash <laughs> method of inspiration. That's right. And apparently, Leonard Peikoff thinks it's different than whiplash. I, I did yeah. have that back and forth, but I don't know why yet, so I can't tell you. Andrew, the drummer, um, tells himself, you F and S, you know, while he's drumming to himself. It's not even right. the teacher. That's right. So it's, it's, a, it's an aggressive kind of critical inspiration. Everyone, I am sorry that I spent so much time talking about the horrid Islamic State. I do urge you to go over to DontLetItGo.com and look at the two other articles that I had on Slate for today. One is important news about antidepressants and the theory behind them. Doctors may have gotten it entirely backwards. Mm. So especially if you're concerned about whether you should take antidepressants, I urge you to go read that and look for yourself. And then there's also a list of the states that lead in well-being, a feeling of well-being, and, and I think a, you know, a justified feeling of well-being of people who live in the United States. Alaska's number one. Colorado, notably, has been in the top ten for like six years in a row. Uh, take a look if you're looking for a place to move. Uh, other than that, I hope you enjoy the show, and we look forward to talking to you next week. If you are enjoying the show, please, please go ahead and tell your friends. We appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Take care.